0: nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat.
1: And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. Welcome nerdlings. It's that wonderful time in the week. It's that time that Ash and I like to think of as crime time. So on this week's episode, we've actually got a really cool story. We've got a survivor tale. It's going to be the case of Maggie Malloy, who actually survived a just harrowing crime that unfortunately no one should ever ever Have to go through.
0: Yeah, for sure. We uh wanted to do a survivor tale as once in a while it's nice to hear a story that has a different outcome than most attacks do. But before we get started, I heard a story and I wanted to share (laughs) (laughs) about a chicken that had been standing vigil at a young man's grave in Kellogg, Minnesota recently. I would also just like to note that if you're familiar with chickens and you know that if a chicken is staying in one specific area, then that's really that's something special. Because chickens are adorable, but they aren't the sharpest tools in the shed. (laughs) Uh I literally Literally just spent 20 minutes today trying to herd two chickens out of a <laughs> corner of a fencing. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty hilarious. They just could not understand that they had to move a foot over in order to obtain their freedom. And it, oh. oh my god, it was so frustrating. And I was like, come on, chickens, like It's really not that hard. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh,
1: You know, it's funny that you say that because we actually, uh, growing up, uh, my family, we always had chickens. And I can totally attest to this. They're just like, like freedom can be right there in front of them. And they're just like, I'm just gonna hang here. It's just, it's so crazy. So wait, so like this chicken, it was just like hanging out in a graveyard or?
0: Yeah. So what happened was this young man named Aiden Miller passed away about a year ago as of July 22nd. So Aiden had grown up as a young man who loved animals, according to his parents, and this favorites were the chickens uh that his family actually raised on their farm and Aiden passed away tragically at 16 years old on july 22nd 2019 of natural causes oh
1: oh my god that's so that's just so young that like that kind of stuff kills me when it's just young children who don't have any like foreseeable illnesses i mean any child really kills me yeah especially when it's just all of a sudden it's just oh my heart hurts
0: yeah it's just the saddest thing and it, it always seems so wrong for kids that young to pass away. I mean, anyone to pass away, but when you're that young. And Aiden sounded like a wonderful kid. He was an athlete, a great student. And if you fast forward a year later, unfortunately, Aiden's mom, Karen, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Ugh.
1: Yeah, that's that's a hard one, especially for like both of us. I mean, Get this on a deep level. Both of our moms, but last year, we yeah. were both like within a few two months of each other, I think, diagnosed with breast cancer. It was definitely like, I think for both of our families, probably one of the worst things that that we were all going through and and, and we were going through them back to back. I remember my mom was having surgeries a, a week after your mom. They were both in yeah. the hospitals around the same time. It's craziness. Luckily, the good news is they've both made a full recovery and are in full remission, but you know, our, our our hearts definitely go out to, to Karen Karen Miller. And, you know, we're wishing you guys and your family just a, a happy, speedy recovery and, and hopefully remission. So
0: yeah, definitely. Um, This family has been through so much this last year. And right around that time, Karen was diagnosed with breast cancer. A little red hen was spotted hanging out at Aiden's grave and the hen wouldn't leave his grave, which is, ah, oh, that makes oh. my heart just melt into a bottle. <laughs>
1: Mine too. I just love that. It's oh, just like, so cute. like this family needs something. They've gone through so much hell and this is like perfect little red hen hanging out there. Yeah.
0: So the family actually decided the, to name the little red hen Angel. Oh, Yeah. So cute. And the family even built a little box for her to sleep in near his grave and they take care of her while she holds her vigil at Aiden's grave. And the family says that Angel has given them a lot of happiness during this time as it's the one year anniversary of Aiden's death. And with karen be igni- diagnosed with breast cancer karen feels like it's something her son would have wanted for her which is oh so sweet um, so
1: sweet oh.
0: but unfortunately as magically as angel the hen appeared it seems as if she disappeared over the last few days which Aww. is sad it uh, killed me i know karen went to water her one evening and angel had disappeared And the Millers feel that Angel helped spread the memory of their lovely son to so many people. And it seems that Angel had disappeared as suddenly as she appeared in their lives. Oh,
1: wow. Just hurts my heart, this whole story. I I just love this idea that this little red hen was, like, somehow related to her son, kind of just, like, being there to comfort her. And maybe it's just a good sign that... Maybe Aiden feels like he doesn't need to to watch out for his mom right now. That maybe she's all right. Oh, I just hope that Angel was like able to bring them some form of peace and hope. Oh, it's such a bittersweet story. I'm I'm just glad that they found something in, in all of this like oh, like heartbreak and turmoil. We know what it's like that.
0: Oh, totally. They were able
1: to find yeah. They were able to find some little thing that made made them smile and helped them get through this. And maybe she was just a little angel for that. This from like a s- completely non-religious person, but I just think <laughs> it's so sweet.
0: I was just like, oh Yeah, so uh, the story is so sweet and sad All at the same time It's bittersweet um, yeah. So I had to share it, especially with us Both having had moms going through this Our hearts yeah. are with the Miller family for sure So speaking of tough families It's time to get chatting about our case for the night Oof
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I feel like we're leaving the happy The happy behind I know,
0: I know, <laughs> oh my god But this case does have a good turnout So Okay, good But we do want to put out a quick disclaimer for anybody listening that this case does deal with rape and assault of a minor. And we just wanted to let our listeners know that this may not be an episode for you, if if this makes you feel uncomfortable or if it triggers anything for you, as it is pretty graphic. We completely understand, as these crimes are hard for any listener, so we just want to make sure you're aware of the crime before we get going. So with that being said, our case today deals with the brutal attack of Maggie Malloy on September 16th of 1994 in Galleon, Ohio. Disclaimer, we might be saying things wrong. Don't hate us.
1: <laughs> Trying our best. We're people to I think it's Galleon. To,
0: Galleon that, oh, okay. Galleon. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think it's Galleon.
0: So Maggie was a 15-year-old cross-country student and a sophomore in high school, and she was a dedicated runner. And that morning of September 16th was no different. So she went for a run starting at 6.30 a.m., it was dark out still due to daylight savings, having been in September of that year and the cross country team practice run was actually before school. I know a lot of schools do that. And this actually, yeah. not that I was a cross country runner in high school by any means. <laughs> uh,
1: I was not a cross country, but I was a track kid and the cross country kids were always running.
0: Yeah. So they started at 630 in the morning and they would run like four, four miles before class even started. So that morning, Maggie decided to turn around after the three-mile mark. Like most folks working out, she was wearing headphones and actually listening. It's crazy that she remembers this, that memory. I know. So ingrained with, like, scent and sounds. It's crazy. She actually remembers that she was listening to The Promise of a New Day by Paul Abdul.
1: God, can you imagine having that association every time you Uh, hear that song? Oh my God,
0: I know. She can't remember if she turned around because of a leg cramp or if she just had enough of practice for that day. I mean, we all have our limits and some days you just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, Um, like
1: 50 50 feet's my limit. I would have turned back, (laughs) so...
0: So it was on her way back that she instantly felt clotheslined and was actually grabbed from behind, kind of dragged towards an alleyway between two houses. And she was able to see dimly through the dark that she didn't recognize this person at all, which, holy oh, moly, that's terrifying.
1: That's so scary to just be grabbed when you're in the... Oh, God. I can't even remember. Yeah,
0: because normally, like, it would just be someone playing a joke on you. And you'd be like, oh, right. oh, you scared me. Funny. but Like,
1: funny, thinking it's one of your, like, teammates or something.
0: Yeah, this. This was not a joke, and the man that actually took her put a gun to Maggie's side and drags her, like we said, behind an alleyway and behind a local YMCA and actually into a baseball-like dugout area. When they get into that dugout, he pushes her onto her stomach and ties her hand behind her back with her own shoelaces. She remembers laying on the ground and hearing something and realizing that the man actually is beginning to tear her clothes off with a knife that he had. It got down to the point where she was only wearing her shoes and socks. Trigger warning. Maggie was sexually assaulted at gunpoint and she doesn't remember screaming. She just remembers whimpering and pleading with a man. Please don't rape me. Don't shoot me.
1: Oh, she, yeah, this is, I mean, this, that's, every woman knows this fear. Oh, every yeah. Every woman knows yeah. this fear. And men as well. But, you know, as women, you know, we, we definitely know what it's like to be out running in the dark or what have you. And there's, I mean, I can't look at a dark alley and not oh, freak oh out. Oh, my
0: God, completely. So Maggie remembers looking to her left and seeing a shadow from the baseball field because the field must have been lit up somehow. And her legs are in the air as she was getting sexually assaulted. And she said that this is an image that will never leave her. Like, she will never forget it. That's, ugh. After this creep assaulted Maggie, he then pushed her into a nearby ravine. And she remembers her legs getting scratched and cut up. And this was due to being nude in the wilderness. So she was walking through a trail with with high brush. The whole time she's walking, the attacker is behind her and holding his gun on her. So she literally has nowhere to go. She she was terrified, heart jumping out of her chest. She actually said that she was amazed that she wasn't crying.
1: Oh my God, right? Yeah. This woman is like, she is tough.
0: She is tough. And her goal was to try and stall him for as long as she could because she, being a runner in the morning, she remembered that the daylight is going to come out eventually because people were looking for her. It was completely out of character for her to not show up to school or to come back from practice. So she knew that somebody, at least one person, would be right. looking for her. So God, she was smart. Yeah. So after walking for 10 minutes or so, Maggie notices that the sun begins to rise. She asks the attacker to untie her hands, which is crazy because she really put herself out there because you don't know if this attacker is going to be like, no. F you, I'm not in right. Yeah, but absolutely, you don't know what you.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially he's got a gun, so like she doesn't know how he's going to react at all. This, This is crazy.
0: And she knew that there was no way of getting away from him in that area. And surprisingly, the attacker untied her hands. Once the sun began to rise, she was able to get a clear look at her attacker's face. And she noticed that he had long, stringy red hair. He wore glasses, a black shirt with no sleeves, and he was wearing blue jeans. So as they are walking farther, Maggie was ordered to lie on the ground and her attacker sat next to her where she was, and began talking to her. She said that it was like, we were two people sitting in the woods after school.
1: Ugh. Which... Oh, God. That just gives me such chills.
0: I know. What a monster. Like, how could you do something to a human like that and then expect to just talk normally?
1: Yeah, acting like they're just like pals. It's like, oh my God.
0: Yeah, and as they're talking, he's like trying to clean her face off, telling her how beautiful she is, and like what a knockout she would have been. And... The scary part is, is every time he's talking to Maggie, she's realizing that he's using past tense. So yeah, she that's had terrifying. Yeah, so she had no idea what this guy's intentions were. Uh, but it seemed to her because he was using past tense that he had no plans for her to live through this.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, absolutely. She knows that this man is is like between her and, and freedom right now she is paying attention to every nuance of everything he is saying that oh is yeah just,
0: it's like uh, it, it's like in one of those movies when say like a bomb explodes and you wake up and everything's slow motion like yeah that's, that's how i feel everything's going for her everything is just so slow motion she's picking up on literally and everything because everything.
1: like her life depends on it yeah on it Wow! So I just it gives me chills. Like I, know. I literally, ah, this, uh, this case kills me.
0: So the attacker then threatens Maggie with a knife that he actually used to cut off her clothing before. And one moment, like he's speaking to her as if she's precious, and like a knockout. And then the next moment, he's then again threatening her with a twelve-inch blade. It just goes to show the psychology of these killers. Yeah, they don't have any humanity. It's insane. Yeah,
1: it's it's a very selfish human being to do this. Yeah, it's it's about him and not about her. Well, obviously, it's not about her at all. But, you know, it's the, the, they're so linear in thinking. It is only about their needs, their wants, their... everything about them at yeah. that point.
0: And basically, to him, Maggie's an object. Like, she's... Yeah. She's not human right now. This is where we get into gruesome stuff, you guys. Just a trigger warning. So the assailant then takes the knife and puts the blade near Maggie's heart. And she's watching the handle, and it's almost as if the handle is vibrating. This creature was enjoying torturing her is basically what was happening
1: yeah he was just like all right let's like he wanted that fear from her
0: she noted that when she looked in his eyes she just thought evil her assailant eventually puts the knife away and he basically says to her if you bite i will shoot you ugh. i mean maggie being a 15 year old so yeah. innocent had no idea what he was talking about until he began to rape her or- orally
1: this is just ugh.
0: Yeah, so she's quoted saying that she wanted to vomit, but when she went over to vomit, nothing came out. And eventually he told Maggie that he was going to put her to sleep, which that's terrifying in itself. That's when he put her back on her stomach and moved behind her. And so from behind her, he began to strangle her and she almost passed out, but she could feel her legs rubbing against the grass. And she states that that feeling she'll never forget, that Um, that um... roughness in her legs just rubbing on the grass. And eventually he stops strangling her like tough cookies. She did not pass yeah. out.
1: So I, I don't get that. This woman is just a hero. Like yeah. she is so tough this whole time for a 15 year old kid. My God, she's just a kid.
0: Yeah. And so he eventually stops strangling her and just leaves her gagging and coughing. And he turns to her and begins burying her under brush. And she oh, couldn't see anything. God. She could only hear crunching of him walking away. And she said after, like, what felt like an eternity, but in reality, was only a few minutes, she called out to the attacker to see if he was still there. And she realizes very quickly that the attacker had climbed into one of the nearby trees. And he's actually looking to see if people are looking for her. And she hears a loud crunch after she called out and the attacker saying, what? And... He then unburies Maggie and tells her that they have to move, and he makes her go further back into the ravine. And the further back she's forced into the, the ravine, the more Maggie is realizing, like, oh my god, I'm not going to survive this. I, I keep getting pushed deeper and deeper into the woods, farther away from civilization. Yeah, like she and, knew. Yeah, and the one thing Maggie remembers clearly is hearing a plane overhead, and she could tell that the plane wasn't circling, but she could tell... That the plane was kind of coming back and forth. This girl's
1: just like ob- observational skills are unbelievable. It's just crazy how observant she is in the most traumatic situation that you could possibly be in.
0: Yeah, it's just so like, observant.
1: It's just like like I can't even imagine. I I, I, and I don't want to imagine what this poor girl is going through. I wish she had never had to go through it. It just literally makes me so angry and hurt and pain for her. It's just amazing how many of these events she's actually able to like recollect, you know, just like the fact that she's able to recognize a plane in the air going back and forth is just, it's crazy to me. I i don't think me- a lot of us in those situations would be able to like recount all of these really, really really important details especially like after all the trauma and assault she's been subjected to it's just mind-blowing how on it this girl was like she is such a fighter it's crazy it, and it's so inspiring
0: yeah it's like her it's like all of her senses are heightened
1: yeah like, like that and and she's like she understands that like everything she sees is important like there's not one minuscule detail that she's just like checking the boxes. She's like, all right, I know this, this, and this. This is what's going to help keep me alive. I don't think a lot of us in her situation would have been that on it. And it, I mean, I, I definitely don't feel like I would – if I witness a crime, I wouldn't know anything. Yeah. I mean, I think you block it all out. And so it's just – she's she's truly a hero when it comes to this. Like she really was determined she was going to escape this situation. You know, what's crazy is like she happens to notice this plane – What she doesn't know is that while she sees it like going back and forth, I think she didn't, she obviously has no idea. There is a police officer already searching for her. Ever since she disappeared that morning, the police and local townsfolk are looking for her. And so it turns out that like Maggie's cross country coach, they immediately called police when Maggie didn't arrive back at the school. This is so important. So it is. Yeah. I mean, if that cross country coach had just waited, you know, thinking, oh, well, maybe she's just dallying. That literally could have been the difference between Maggie living and dying. The fact that as soon as Maggie didn't return, this cross country coach was like, nope, that's not normal. And was just like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to call the cops. Like we always say, nerdlings, trust your gut. There's always a reason. Obviously something just did not feel right to this cross country coach, which. Thankfully, it didn't. So basically, as they walk, the attacker starts to get more and more nervous around Maggie. You know, Maggie's seeing this plane. The attacker's starting to get really nervous. He's already been checking around to see if people are looking for Maggie. Maggie actually remembers hearing a fe- female voice that's yelling her name and the person's voice person yells her name twice. Instantly, Maggie recognizes that voice. While she couldn't see her, she knew that was her mom, which that makes total sense to me because I would recognize my mom's voice anywhere. Oh, yeah. Any situation, that's just a voice you're like, that's my mommy. Oh, my God. Yeah, it just kills you. It's a 15-year-old kid. Her mom is her world, I'm sure. Yeah. So obviously, if Maggie's heard the voice this attacker has heard the voice he actually ends up telling her to lay on her stomach and informs her that he's going to have to shoot her so Maggie put you know Maggie's been on this the whole time she realizes if she's going to survive this she is going to have to stall like never before this is she knows that this this person is about to end her and so she actually ends up asking this cretan why he has to shoot her which is probably the smartest like one of the smartest questions she could ask oh, because totally. she set it up so that he has to answer her. And every time that's giving – that, those are such important seconds that she, like, needs to survive this. Basically, after she asks him this, again, does that creepy thing where he sits down, like, right next to her, which oh, this, I, I, I don't know what it is about the idea of, like, him s- just sitting there right next to her. That freaks me out so much. Yeah.
0: It's like, oh, what? Am I on your level now? Like, now yeah. you want human compassion? Like, F you. No way. Yeah.
1: It just gets under my skin. Like, this whole thing is awful, but I don't know why that extra little, like, trying to be your friend. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, we're not friends. Are you kidding me? So basically, what ends up happening is it's like he's telling her, like, oh, well, I have to shoot you because if he doesn't shoot her, then Maggie, of course, would be able to identify him and he'd spend the rest of his life in prison. Which shucks. Shucks. Yeah. Shucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wow, you committed a serious crime you (laughs) That's I won't swear but that's the the statement there we all know what I want to say you know and then he's acting like he shouldn't go to prison for the rest of his life don't do a crime dude here's an idea don't attack people wouldn't have to go to prison at this point he's actually crying and swearing and Acting like he's the victim here, unreal. Bless Maggie's heart; she is just such a smart woman, and she realizes like this is her, this is one way she can distract him. So she actually grabs his hand, trying to reason with him. She's creating that like human connection, which for if I a fit, again, I, I go back to this: a fifteen-year-old kid, everything she does is understanding what she needs to do for survival. Yeah, this is pure instinct working, and it is. I, it's a mind-blowing. This girl is just amazing. You know, she tells him, oh, well, what you did was was awful, but I can walk away from this. Just get out of here. It's it's so smart because she's giving him an out. She's saying, yes, I, I've seen your face. I know that you've done something completely awful, wrong, terrible, illegal, all of the above to me, but... You can walk away and we're just gonna let this go. That's basically what she's telling him as a way to kind of be like, give him a carrot and see if he'll like bite. And and she understands that every minute she's delaying him is one minute she's one minute longer she's alive. Unfortunately for her, it didn't work as well as I think she had hoped because he tells her that unfortunately he still has to shoot her, but that he would "Quote unquote," write a letter to her parents to let them know how wonderful she was and how calm she was.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, Yo, are <sighs> you kidding me? You can't like, see me, but I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> oh
1: my god, my hands are like up in the air right now. I'm so I'm just like this creature makes me so livid. He's just trash. He's utter, absolute garbage human being. This it's just mind blowing how this person has committed a crime against another human being. He has violated another human beings rights and then to act like he's the victim like he knows and but he's gonna write a letter to her parent are you kidding me maggie is just a brilliant brilliant human because you know like she realizes like if he kills her this is what she comes to terms with that if he kills her it's okay because her parents would get this letter from him and they would know that their child's rapist and murderer um that at least in the face of this situation, they could be proud of her for keeping her cool. The amount of clearheadedness and toughness and bravery to have that realization of, I know this psycho is going to kill me, but if the, he writes a letter to my parents, they will at least know that it wasn't, I didn't go without a fight. And that is just like, I think that's the one that really just made me want to cry. Yeah, um, that's,
0: that's uh, just envisioning anybody's parents getting that letter at all. It, It would make anybody cry. It'd make a kid cry. Like, come on, that's, that's horrible. It's awful.
1: It's awful. Her parents, they would lose, in this situation, they would have lost their daughter to a rapist and murderer. And then to get a letter from him, like, he's the last person they want to hear from. Yeah. Uh, this person is just unreal basically he says to her like I'm sorry I have to do this to you Maggie kind of looks over her shoulder at this point because remember she's she's on her stomach so she's in this completely vulnerable she's pretty much this whole time been stuck in these very vulnerable states and she's been brutally assaulted the fact that she's so clear-headed throughout this is just mind-blowing so she ends up looking back behind her shoulder over her shoulder from being on the ground and she realizes that he has kind of moved behind her she kind of sees him taking aim with his gun at her and realizes what's about to happen he basically immediately fires two shots into Maggie both are in directly into her head he then fires two more shots and those are into her back and another following shot into her arm so five shots at pretty much point blank range <sighs>
0: gosh gosh yeah. Whew. That gives me anxiety, just like hearing Me that. too.
1: Because she has so many details, it's very easy to, to visualize all of this, and it's very hard. But this is rough. This is just, ugh. She luckily says she didn't feel anything, but she was still conscious. She knew when every single one of those bullets hit her. She actually even remembers hearing herself scream several times, but says she couldn't feel any pain, which obviously more than likely, she was already in shock from the first two bullets into her brain or into her head. I, I have to assume she had already gone into shock. And she's still having like coherent thoughts through all of this, which is just, I can't. All she could think was basically, wow, I'm still alive. And wow, he shot me. Most people wouldn't have even survived the first shot. Yeah. The fact that she's able to, to have these coherent thoughts is just, it, it's unreal. I know I've said that like a ton of times. <laughs> My mind is so blown by this girl. She actually didn't even know how many times she had been shot. All she could kind of tell was that like her right arm was numb and dangling there. And she like had to reach up to her face with her left arm and she could feel like a hole in the side of her face
0: oh god that gives
1: me chills yeah, me too. And her jaw was just hanging there and she was just bleeding profusely. And she could actually now at this point hear the police calling her name, but they weren't able to see her. So you can assume at this point that he's run away. As soon as he shot her, I assume he's ran. But luckily, because we, we do know that Maggie had hurt her mom a few minutes before this, so you can assume the police and the mom had come this far. And so Maggie's actually able to get to her feet after being brutally raped. She's been shot five times, twice in the head. She stumbles three feet. She's thinking like anything she can do to get their attention. She then collapses due to her injuries and she realizes immediately like she's, she's got to get their attention. So she begins to swing her legs in the air after she's fallen, you know, collapsed in order to get their attention because she can't get up. This is what literally saves her life. It allows the police to spot her and are ab- they're then able to rescue her. So Maggie had to spend 13 days in the hospital and she had to have three operations just to get her jaw realigned. One of the bullets went into the side of her face and it stopped right below her eye. Unfortunately, it's in kind of an inoperable area, so it's still there to this day. Another bullet shot at her jaw and her jaw actually had to be wired shut. This is like a, a serious fear of mine. There's something about that that like freaks me out. Mm. The idea like... I- And so my heart just like breaks for that one. And then two bullets went into her back and they actually just stopped in her lungs. They're also still there to this day because again, these are probably in locations that are, I would assume are inoperable. Luckily, the police were able to apprehend her attacker on the afternoon of his attack on Maggie. So within eight hours, police had captured this douchebag. And the creature in question was a man named Charles S. Vaughn. He was only 21 years old and Maggie was actually able to return to competitive running after surviving her attack. She ended up actually receiving the NCAA Inspiration Award in 2000. Two and she was able to recover and live her life again with the help of her mom, which seems really fitting. And she even named the three bullets that are still living inside of her. She named them Snap, Crackle, and Pop, as in <laughs> Rice Krispies. Yeah. <laughs> which, that when I read that, like, I don't know why there was something so innocent about that that it just made me start bawling. Uh, so, Maggie, the hero, she finished high school. She then went on to attend college at Defiance College in Ohio. After college, Maggie became a victim advocate. So she actually travels across the nation. She was actually recruited by the Department of Justice in order to create a survival guide for children returning home after surviving an abduction. She took one of the most awful events in her life and made it all about giving back to the world. She is literally a bonafide superhero, in my opinion.
0: Oh, yeah. She is. She is great. She's great.
1: This girl is like, yeah, Uh, we bow to her.
0: We bow to her. So after going from this great hero, we're going to go to this complete piece of gum on the ground, like, like, (laughs) stuck to the bottom of your shoe, you know? Yeah, Um, it's like
1: the discards on, like... On your fo- like the bottom of your shoe.
0: The stuff Just you put in your them. compost when you Ooh, I like when you that. put those gross rotting vegetables in there and feed them yeah. your chickens. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bring them <it> back around. <laughs> uh, so Charles Charles S Vaughn was charged with two counts of rape, one count of attempted murder, one count of kidnapping. So this monster received twenty five years per each count. Good. So thank you, justice. Should have been them. life. <laughs> Seriously, he did not go to actual trial as he pleaded no contest the charges.
1: Ugh. There's no contest, no here, buddy.
0: Definitely not. So he was sentenced fifteen to a hundred years in prison and he is now eligible for parole, but was denied parole at his last hearing in two thousand seven. He will not be eligible for parole again until twenty twenty seven because he's absolutely disgusting trash and should rot in prison for the rest of his life. I couldn't
1: agree more. I just I'm blown away that he's actually eligible for parole. I know. Like that's... he's a monster.
0: Especially the fact that Maggie survived and she she like she knows who he is. Yeah. And he's
1: a threat to her. Like, he's a threat to any woman.
0: Yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. Like, he is definitely the guy that did it. Oh, Um, yeah.
1: 100% he's the guy who did it.
0: And Maggie, being the tough cookie that she is. Of course. She told (laughs) Vaughn before his sentencing that, quote, I beat you. You know that, don't you? You made a very bad mistake, which is awesome. She said, quote, I deserve to live. I have a right to live. I told you that before you shot me. You're going to pay for what you did, unquote. Because Maggie is a boss and we respect the hell out of her.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, she's totally a boss. This girl, just every moment of this story just amazed me the whole time. The the whole case, this was a really rough case. I'm just, I'm amazed. The young girl that Maggie was, the woman she became, this woman is just someone that just utmost admiration and respect is given to what a fighter, what a courageous, courageous woman. You know, she fought her whole way through this awful, awful assault. Not only did she like survive, she survived an insane amount of physical and mental trauma. Like my brain can't even wrap wrap itself around the amount of trauma this young woman was exposed to. And she just came out of it, and she made her life about helping other victims. Talk about selfless. Yeah, you know, she has to relive this. Every day. Like she's still a runner, which is amazing. Every time she goes for a run, every time it's six thirty in the morning, every time it's anything that is such a basic part of life, everything probably reminds her of this the worst day of her life. Yet she takes this and she just makes makes it about making the world a better place. I, I just can't admire her enough.
0: Yeah, she's she's awesome. We've said it so many times. I sometimes go on morning walks, I go on evening walks, and you know, constantly because I'm a crime nerd, I, I'm always looking over my shoulder. Uh, but yeah. I mean, you can't do that all the time. I'm sure there's no. times where I'm around a situation and I don't even know who's around me. And oh my God, she's 15 years old and she's walking it's six thirty in the morning. Like you would never guess that someone would just try to take your life like this awful, awful Uh, being did. And I was thinking back,
1: you know, me and my girlfriends are always talking about how we were fearless at like that age. Teenagers, we were doing stupid, stupid stuff and putting ourselves in situations now. But when I like look back at it now, I just kind of am like, oh my God, how did you not end up dead? Yeah. The idea that like I was not a savvy teenager. I was totally one of those kids that's just like, I'll do what I want. Which is the way it should be, but unfortunately it's not. I think about that and I'm like, I can't imagine being fifteen years old and understanding the depth of how bad this situation she was in was. I think I would I, I don't know how I would be. I don't I, I hope I never have to know how that is. I just I I admire the fact that this woman looked at the situation and she the whole time assesses every moment of it. This, there was no doubt that she was going to survive i know there were times when she felt like she might not but i have, i am not surprised that she survived at all
0: yeah and i mean people deal with tragedies different and i yeah, mean
1: fight or flight
0: i mean she to- could have totally just not been an advocate and like just her life or whatever but right. the fact that she turned around and is working with the department of justice and helping other children and other adults that have gone through this is just absolutely amazing and i have so much respect for her it's me too it's crazy it's awesome
1: it is awesome you know i love when we get to do these once in a while where it's you know we all read so many crime stories and 90% of the time it's not legitimate statistics but 90% of the time people don't survive you know you don't often hear about survivors of these type of crimes and the fact that here we have a survivor who isn't who's who survived, but she's living her life. She didn't just survive, she took this and she decided to to make the world, try to make the world a better place, to try to help other people who were in a situation similar to hers. And I just I love the powerfulness of that.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Jeez, if I if I could just be an advocate for Me too. Even anything, you know, like Saving chickens from a fence. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I would do it, you know what I mean? But I don't have the balls to stand up in front of a crowd like she does all the time. And to just re- retell her story that she lived through must be so hard and she does it all the time. Yep, Great. And I feel like
1: you know, and this was one of those cases too, where we intentionally did not go into Charles Vaughn because it's not his story. Yeah. Is that the the white? Right? I hope that's the right way to say that. He's a douchebag, and he can rot in prison for all we care. This is Maggie's story. Maggie's the survivor here. Maggie's the one that had everything happen to her. She's the true victim of this, and the true hero of the story. So, you know, this was one of those where usually we go through the suspects a little bit more, but we intentionally did not in this one.
0: Yep, yeah, definitely, but. Did you have anything else to add?
1: No, I mean I think for me, it's just gut wrenching that this even had to happen to this young girl. So Yeah, yeah. I wish Maggie the best and you're an amazing human and we were completely inspired by your by your story. So
0: Oh yes, completely.
1: Thank you for sharing your story with the world.
0: Agreed. Well, that's all for this episode, you crab loving nerd links. Just remember to always trust your gut. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes or your normal podcast provider.